Great to see you here. Lovely to hear the sound of warm conversation. Uh, we're going to have a great morning together. It's our traditional 8 o'clock Advent service. And uh, if you're listening online, a very warm welcome to you wherever you are. Uh, but to those in the building, uh, also a warm welcome. Let me read to us from Isaiah 9.6, uh, a famous verse that prophesied about the coming of the Lord Jesus in this Advent season. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, before we stand and sing, let me open with a special Advent prayer. Let's bow our heads. Almighty God, giver of all grace, to cast away the works of darkness and to put on the armour of light, now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came amongst us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Let's stand and sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel.
Please be seated for the church news. It's December, which means it's time for everyone's favourite version of church news. It's Christmas Stew and my trusty sidekick, Christmas Stevie, here to let you know about what's happening at St Matthew's this Christmas. Well, first, the main events. On Christmas Eve, we've got a whopping five services running here at St Matthew's throughout the afternoon and into the evening. At 3 and 4.30pm, we have our family service. And like last year, we'll have a family-friendly Christmas message uh, throughout our service with some of your favourite carols sprinkled along the way for you to sing along to. This will be a great one to bring Christmas Stevie side people along to. Now for the slightly older folk out there, we have evening carols running at 7, 9 and 11pm. Strap in as we sing a stack of carols together with Dave and the band and hear a Christmas message as well. Now on Christmas Day, which is a Sunday, we'll have our traditional Christmas service with communion at 8am, as well as our contemporary service at 10am. We won't be running our other usual services that afternoon at 5 or 6.30. Now as we get into the Christmas spirit, we're also running our Christmas hamper program again. We want to raise funds to distribute beautiful and carefully packed hampers from our church to those in our community who are most in need. And if you would like to donate, you can find the link to the GoFundMe page in Bruce's weekly email, and these donations are tax deductible. Well, we're anticipating our biggest Christmas in three years, and so there are plenty of jobs that we'd love your help with. If you'd like to help out in any way, then please find one of our connection cards in the seat in front of you and fill that out once you've scanned it. Uh, now, if you're new or visiting this week as well, and it's great to have you here, and this is a great way for you to get in touch with the staff team here at church. Well, that's all from us this week. We'll be back over the next few weekends to let you know some more details about what's happening this Christmas at St. Matt's. We'll see you soon. Won't we, Sadie? Say bye. Say see ya. See ya.
Something special about that steward and his daughter, Stevie. First time I saw it did make me laugh. Anyway, it's going to be a great season of Christmas. So good to be back together. I want to give our final um, contributing member spot. And if I can just get that up on the screen. Thanks, Vicky. Uh, oh, I'm going to click ahead. Here we go. And in particular, uh, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, uh, as we wrap up particularly the finance section, we've been talking about giving and towards our mission partners, <clears throat> as well as closing the gap and also general offerings. I do want to say thank you. Uh, I know that uh, people have already started to contribute to help these things happen. And on behalf of all the staff and the parish council, a very big thank you, but also to the general generosity in the parish towards the ministry here. And we've been trying to do three things, which is close the gap uh, from where we were uh, at the end of third term. We had a sig significant financial deficit of 96,000. That is closing. I'm going to give an update on that next week. Uh, we've also been encouraging people to increase regular offerings or can start contributing uh, in terms of their regular offertories. And we're seeking to raise $140,000 for mission. And again, I'll give an update on where that's at next week. Um, some people have said, um, you know, when do you want me to start uh, in terms of when does the money need to come in? And as I said in my weekly email, now is the time. And I just want to run through for practical purposes those who may have questions about the practicalities of giving, how you can do that. Um, and so let me just take you through. And the questions are here. I've just got some stuff on the screen. If you wanted to use direct deposit, you can do two things. We've got the giving cards, which will be up the back if you have lost yours. We had them out the last two weeks. Um, and you can use the card in terms of regular giving, and you can see the section there that's circled, or you can go to the website, it's got the bank account details, and you can set up either a one-off or a regular donation there in terms of offertory. And so in terms of direct deposit, that's how you do it. You go and do it, and that would be a great thing to do. Secondly, with credit card, it is worth noting you can give a one-off on the website. You can see that there on the right. But if you want to give a recurring offertory using your credit card, you need to use this card, fill it in, and get it back. And then thirdly, in terms of direct debit, where if you want us to set it up, we're happy to do that. Uh, you need to fill the card in and get that back to us, and we will set that up for you. And it's worth saying... Um, the giving cards, you can return it to the office during the week. You can mail it in. There's an address on the envelope. You can bring it to myself, Andrew, Deborah. You can put it in the offertory box at the back. Just get it to us and we will action it. And thank you for those who have already done that. But that's it from me. And as I said at the start, a very big thank you on behalf of the parish for people's generosity. We're now going to move ahead to pray. And so let me lead us in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that we are chosen by you. We are loved, we are embraced and saved by your love, grace and forgiveness. And we are welcomed into your family and we are precious in your sight. You came as a shepherd seeking every sheep that is lost so that you might bring them home. Thank you that you are the saviour and messiah to all who will heed your call. And we thank you most of all this Advent season for your son, the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the great promise that he will return again to wrap all things up and bring home your children with him. We pray this day for our mission partners and we thank you for the privilege of partnering with Mark and Rachel Collins 
and the Marsden Park Church plant during their first five years. We thank you that the growing community in Marsden Park is hearing about you and are being drawn into a family of believers. And I do rejoice, Lord, that every year they've seen growth in that church. We pray that you continue to provide for and strengthen the church there so that many more people will hear about you and be saved. And in particular, as the diocese works to fund a building program, we do pray that there'd be generous hearts towards that and that the money would be raised and that the church can be physically built to just facilitate a greater ministry there. We pray for our church, Lord, and for the many groups that meet during the week that are starting to finish up in the next week or two, our growth groups, ESL, Minimats, Soup Kitchen and others. We pray that the groups stay connected over the summer break and continue to support each other. We give thanks particularly for the wonderful leaders who look after their groups and we do pray that they would have a good break and be refreshed both spiritually and physically over the summer period. And finally, Lord, as we close, grant in us a contentment in whatever situation we find ourselves, content in the knowledge that Christ is our reward and that there's nothing in all the world that could ever satisfy like he does. Everything we need is in you, Lord. Christ is enough. Amen. Well, let's finish with the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Give us sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Well, let me introduce the kind of second half of the service, if I can put it that way, which is our Advent readings and songs. Uh, if at Christmas time we focus on the first coming of Jesus in humility as a child, during the season of Advent we actually focus on his coming again in glory and power when he will bring all things together in justice and love. And this year's Advent service will be a beautiful program of Bible readings and songs, all pointing to the promise that one day God will bring about his whole new creation. So let's sit, listen, enjoy and be uplifted.
reading from Isaiah 40, 25 to 31. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The second reading is also from Isaiah, chapter 42, verses 1 to 9. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out, nor raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teachings, the islands will put their hope. This is what the God, God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you.
reading from Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what great kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The second reading is also from Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Oh, 
reading from Isaiah 11, 1 to 5. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. This next reading is also from Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
reading from Isaiah 35, 3 to 10. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come, he will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord who has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. This final reading is from Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 to 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost, from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children.
I'm going to read you something now, uh, written by C.S. Lewis, right at the end of The Last Battle, the last of the Narnia Chronicles, uh, about children from this world who become kings and queens in the amazing world of Narnia. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. It's a fabulous thought, isn't it? That life in this world, with all of its wonders and delights, is not the end of our story. It's not even the best part of our story, but it's the beginning of a story which will just get better and better. And that's what we've been hearing this morning as we've had these readings, as we've heard these songs, as we've sung together. And it all culminates in that last reading, which we not only heard read, but also sung from Revelation 21, which draws so many of the threads of our readings and our songs and indeed the message of the Bible together in one place. So we're going to turn to Revelation 21 now because it's so easy to be caught up in this world, in our experience of this world, that we forget God, that God has promised so much more to us than we experience in this world. Now Revelation, the book of Revelation, was written for people just like us, a little under 2,000 years ago. Uh, the churches that they were a part of are named in chapters 2 and 3. And so, for instance, the people who lived in, in Laodicea, the people that were in, in the church there, they're actually doing really well. They're doing very well. And they say, we are rich. But Jesus, who's speaking at this point, says to them, you are so caught up in how good you've got it that you're forgetting God. And he says to them, to me you are lukewarm. You're like the last remains of a tepid cup of tea. And I feel like, these are his words, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's the people in Laodicea in the church there. In the little church in Philadelphia, it's quite different. There are people there who are doing it so tough that they wonder whether they can keep going. And Jesus speaks so tenderly to them, also in chapter 3. He says, I know that you have little strength, yet you've kept my word and not denied my name. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have. It's really important that the people of Laodicea, the people of Philadelphia, the people of Manly and Balgala and Lambie Heights and DY, that we realise that our experience of this life is not all there is to our lives. And knowing what God has promised for our future shapes completely, or ought to, how we live our lives in this world, in this stage of our lives as God's people. So the book of Revelation has this great sweeping vision that God gave to the Apostle John that takes us behind the, the scenes of history, that goes right back to the beginning of creation and arcs over the whole world as we know it to the future that God has promised to the coming again of the Lord Jesus, 
when there will be a new creation, as we heard about in the readings, especially in Revelation 21. So Revelation 21 describes what we have to look forward to. God promises nothing less than a new creation, a new sky above, a new earth below, and it will be wonderful. So we heard it read, didn't we, from, from verse 1 of Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And friends, we can know this will happen because God, who by his word created the world, has spoken and told us what he will do in the future. He says to John, who writes down the book of Revelation, in verse 5, I am making everything new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Now those particular things that he says about the future are so important that that John, who's been writing what he's told to by the angel that God sends to him, the angel says, write this down in particular. It's critical for the people of the world to know their future, to know what I have promised. See, God who sees the end from the beginning, who makes the beginning and who makes the end, says in the future there will be a place where, as it says in verse 4, There'll be no more death, there'll be no more crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. See, the first coming of Jesus, the first advent of Jesus, he came as a little baby, he came in order to redeem this fallen world. The second advent of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, will mean he rejuvenates this world. And it won't just be like one of those cheap fix-up jobs when you're fixing up the house to sell it and you patch over the holes in the wall and you get some cheap paint and you, you slap it across it. It will be a total renovation of the creation as we know it. So it'll be a total renovation of us and our bodies, broken bodies, will be made completely new. Sick bodies will be made completely well. Weary bodies will be lifted up to run and to jump. As it says in, in Isaiah 40, to soar on wings like eagles. It won't just be that God fixes up the bad stuff. He's going to make it better than ever. And the most thrilling thing about the new creation is the presence of God with his people, which John sees as God shows him in verse 2. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, Look, he says, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. See, the, the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem will be everything that the old Jerusalem was meant to, went to be but couldn't. Everything the old Jerusalem was meant to be but could only really point forward to and give us an a hint as to what would be coming. It will truly be a place of peace. Jerusalem actually means city of peace. A place where people are at peace with one another and so completely at peace with God that it will be our joy to be there in his presence. 
It's hard to imagine exactly what that will be like. But I find myself thinking about what it's like to walk along the beach early in the morning and the way all of those, those sensations rush at you in this beautifully peaceful place, often it is anyway. The light, the sound, the feel, sometimes it's the salt on your face. Multiply that by thousands of times. Or think of what it's like when you, you meet up with a friend of long standing, you've been apart for some time. What a beautiful thing it is to see them again. And multiply that by thousands and thousands of times. It will be wonderful to be a part of the new creation. Knowing that the new creation is coming changes everything about the way we live in this creation, in this fallen world. And we get some indications as to what it means if we go back to the early parts of Revelation where each of those seven churches in turn are addressed. And I'll just give you three things that Jesus says to them about how what, what he will do in the future or to shape the way that they and we live. Listen to what Jesus says to the people at Laodicea. He says, you, you say I'm rich. This is chapter 3, verse 17. I've acquired wealth and, and don't need a thing. But you don't, don't realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline so be earnest and repent. It actually sounds so like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. When he, he turns things upside down. And those who seem to be doing so well, if they're not building their house on the rock, he says right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, they'll be destroyed like the person who's building their life on sand. Building their house on sand. Turn to me, Jesus says, while you still can. This life is not all there is. There is a life to come. Turn to me while you can and start living for me and for your Father in heaven who loves you, who's given you all that you have. You cannot serve two masters, he says in the Sermon on the Mount. So make sure you don't miss out on the, the magnificent future that God who created this world, who gave us life and breath, has promised to give us in the future. There's challenge for the person who's very comfortable kind of just keeping God on the side in this life. But there's also comfort for people who follow Jesus but who are finding life very difficult. The little church at Smyrna, they were actually being persecuted because they followed Jesus. Their lives were under threat. Listen to the way that Jesus speaks to them in chapter 2, verse 8, where it says, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who died and came to life again. This is Jesus speaking to them and to us as we struggle. I know your afflictions and your poverty. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. He promises that those who keep following him faithfully through difficulty will be with him in the new creation. Now, when you're in the middle of suffering now, it can seem like it's going to go on forever, but it won't. Thousands and thousands of years into the new creation, we'll look back 
if we're able to in, 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 in that new creation, and we'll realise that our suffering in this life has been light and momentary in comparison with the glory that is awaiting us, that we'll experience there and then. So there's challenge to the person who's comfortable with God on the sideline. There's comfort for believers who are, who are really struggling. There's just encouragement to stay faithful, knowing that this life is not all there is, knowing that there is a new creation coming. And so I'll go back to the church at Philadelphia, to whom Jesus says, I am coming soon, chapter 3, verse 11. Hold on to what you have in me so that no one will take away your crown. The one who is victorious, I will write on them the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. So friends, this life is not all there is. A great day is coming, the second advent of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, when he will bring about a whole new creation. Knowing that great day is coming makes all the difference to how we live in this life now. So as we close, let's sing together in anticipation of that great day with this wonderful hymn from Charles Wesley, Lo, He Comes. Please stand and we'll sing together.
Well, it's been a beautiful morning. We've heard of the first coming of the Lord Jesus and we've been reminded with great enthusiasm that he will come again. And may that be our great hope and joy this Advent day. And if I can just get you to thank the singers and the organists and our readers who've put today together, can I just get you to thank them? That'd be great. They have done a fantastic job. Let me close with these words. Go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honour all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Morning to you, sir. Please do come and join us out in the function room.